The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. My name is Adrian Benjamins, and I'm joined by Coach. And this episode is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Get some delicious coffee. Head over to HawaiianIsles.com and Amazon and taste the Kona difference. Coach, happy Friday to you, sir. How are you doing? Doing great, yo. Adrian, my man, Adrian. Throwing back a Corona. I love it. Cheers, brother. I am uh, I am sipping the Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee, though, because it, you just can't beat it, man. But I do envy the Corona. <laughs> it's been, I will be honest, and not to get off subject, it's been a rough week. Coach, I just found out we got this leak at my house. The only reason why I found out that I even had a leak was because my water bill came in $300 more than it usually is. So coach, I just found this out earlier today on top of a rough week that I'm already having. So it was just, uh, this is why I had to crack open. You know what? I was like, Hey, the plumber's coming in the morning. Uh, I'm about to talk to coach. I'm about to zone in and talk hoops. I got to crack open a Corona and get loose here. So well, uh, that's exactly you, man. And I'm sorry about that news, but this is your hour to just chill out and talk some hoops and decompress a little bit, brother. Exactly. This is my escape, coach. So let's get into this, man. So um, we're going to get into some news and notes. The main topic of today's show, um, if you follow us on Twitter, we kind of got into a discussion about the best duos in the NBA, especially with this offseason, how we've had uh, all these stars getting into pairs, right? So I'm excited to talk to you about what are the top five pairings in the NBA. But before we get to that, Coach, we got a little bit of news and notes. Uh, specifically, David Griffin made a statement about LeBron James. And I think you've got it specifically. What did he say, Coach? Well, and and here we, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tirade here. And for our, our listeners that tune in every week and are, are with us, I'm usually pretty easy going. But once in a while, uh, you know, I get my uh, feathers ruffled. And, and I just was extremely agitated today. Uh, with the news that came out, and and I'll explain why. First of all, basically what Griffin stated in an, an article uh, for Sports Illustrated was he was talking about uh, how difficult it was when he was in Cleveland with LeBron trying to build a franchise around him. He questioned LeBron's uh, effort after they had won a championship, if you know, if he really wanted to be there and at certain times, uh, his his motivation and how difficult, you know, things were there and that he wouldn't have stayed for any amount of money and on and on and on. And and here's the thing that just upsets me. I, As you know, you know, and I mentioned it the very first day David Griffin got the Pelicans job. I'm, I was always a big David Griffin fan. I think he knows the game. I, hopefully a lot of our listeners had the chance to listen to him when he was uh, one of the main guys on on uh, the on NBA TV breaking down games and and really 
has great insight, great knowledge. I thought he did a great job in Cleveland. So I've always been a big supporter. However, this, this just really rubbed me the wrong way, and I'll explain why. First of all, the timing on it is it just, you know, I'm amazed, and, and through the years I've seen this happen over and over again. You know, he took the New Orleans position uh, with a lot of humility. He said, we have a lot to do here. We're going to try to keep AD. Maybe we won't be able to keep him, but we're going to try and this and that. I mean, he, he, he went in with the right attitude. Okay. He got extremely lucky. They got the first round pick with a 14% chance out of nowhere. Everything fell into place. The Lakers knew that they had to make the dealer bust. So basically, other than hitting the Powerball lottery for David Griffin, he had the most fortunate stretch of, of a month of time that anybody could ever imagine. And the thing that, that aggravates me is when, when something goes that well for you and everything's moving in the right, right direction, why in the hell do you have to make these type of comments? What is the positive side of it, number one? First of all, what good does it do? Who the hell cares? Nobody wants to hear that because the headlines on every show tonight, every Twitter feed, everything going on was, you know, LeBron, what was his motor there? Did he want to be there? He was tough to, uh, you know, and it, on and on. And I think it's just, you know, I'm going to be blunt. I think it's bullshit. And I think it really stinks that David Griffin is taking this center stage time. And now obviously it's gone to his head. And he's going to go trash LeBron and bring up an entire situation in Cleveland that is baloney. Because I remember all of that situation very well. The aggravation was with Dan Gilbert, the owner, who is really an off-the-wall owner, very hard to, to deal with. But LeBron came back to Cleveland and arguably, at least in my lifetime, I think the greatest accomplishment an athlete has has made to to break a 52 year run of no championships just because he came back and and won the championship with guys that aren't that good Tristan Thompson J.R. Smith you know on and on and on these guys are average and he carried them you know I know Kyrie was his wingman but he was the man so what you know other things, and I, I, I'm, I'm on a rant here, and I'll let you chirp in, but I, I just want to just spill all this out because I'm, I'm, I'm really pissed about it. And, you know, he, they had, Griffin and LeBron had a great relationship. And uh, it goes as far as Griffin's wife is running a winery now, selling wine. And, and LeBron went on not that long ago and touted her website, her wine. You know, I mean, he just... He's been above board with all of this. So for Griffin to take this shot, to throw more, you know, junk at LeBron uh, is just, I'm very, very disappointed in Griffin. I think it was Bush League and it's it's ridiculous. And let me let me add one more thing and then I'll, I'll let you respond. That why LeBron is taking this tirade, you know, I, I also earlier in the week, you know, he got all excited at his son's AAU game and ran out on the floor a little bit and then tried to run off, but his shoe fell off. You know what? I I coach my son. It's way more exciting than when you're playing yourself or coaching yourself. So I admire that. You know, more fathers should be that involved with their sons 
and, and in sports and in everything else they're doing. So all of this crap that LeBron's taking, I think is unwarranted. I think it's disappointing. And I think people need to get on with their lives and, and, and really, you know, look at what they're complaining about. The guy is sponsoring a school where everything's paid for, including their college educations. He's making a difference. He's making a stance. And, and listen, you know, I just, I admire what he's doing. He's not perfect, just like everybody else. But to take the, the, the garbage that he's taken right now, I think is completely uncalled for. And I think he, he deserves apologies from, from those uh, that stepped forward and said all this garbage. Coach, I could tell you're very passionate about this subject. And, uh, um, you know, I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's fair. Um, and it kind of feels like it's coming out of left field, right? That, uh, and it doesn't seem like something that David Griffin would do. He's been a class act um, throughout his career. Um, so I agree with you. It sucks. It's not fair. LeBron James is the ultimate role model, one of the greatest champions that we've had of this game. When it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. And um, coach, real quick, I want to say, I agree with you 100% about the criticism LeBron's taken about uh, being at his son's games and being active. I mean, I look at it the other way around. I mean, He's being a great father. He's being a part of his son's life. Like how many kids out there wish that they had a dad that was uh, paid attention to them, that was um, interested into, into what they were doing. And here we have a guy in LeBron James who's the ultimate role model, who's showing young men, young kids how to be a good father. He's right now showing kids coach there may be young men looking at him going wow i want to be a dad and i want to be a good dad like that so i agree with you coach i think i think the um the criticism is just way off and unfair now i there is one thing though coach and you may disagree with me here that kind of struck a tone with me where i kind of nodded a little bit with david griffin and said you know it makes sense he made a statement about not having any fun the year he coached LeBron and they won a title. Even after they won the title, he made a statement about how he didn't want to come back. And, you know, when you're running an organization and LeBron is a part of that, there is an expectation and a clock, right? Like you got to win now and you have to, um, and that pressure and that way of thinking kind of, um, or I should say that way of thinking puts a pressure on you that maybe it's a lot heavier. I'm sure Rob Palinka is going through it right now, right? I mean, they're, they every decision they make is to win it right now. There is no tomorrow when you have LeBron who's turning 35 years old this season, right? Who's, who's only under contract for a few more years. So um, in that respect, I kind of understood what david griffin meant there i still don't think it was fair all the other comments and coach there's one more thing i want to touch on he made another comment about maybe lebron james not being hungry anymore because he already won a title and i think that is the most ridiculous uh the most craziest 
it's the craziest argument that you can make. And let me give you an analogy, Coach, that I thought of when, when I heard this. A couple weeks ago, I was at a restaurant called Fleming's and I ordered filet mignon and it was amazing. And Coach, when the next day when I was done, I was already thinking about when can I go to this place next to get another piece of amazing filet mignon. It's not like you have a you eat filet mignon or you eat something amazing and you say, I'm good. I don't need to ever eat that again. I'm good. I tried it. And to me, winning a title is the same way. Just because you win a title, that doesn't mean you now don't want to ever win a title again. Coach, I would think if anything, it it you got a taste of greatness and a feeling um, you're on top of Mount Everest, like a feeling you're on top of the world. I mean, you would want to get back there again, right, coach? So I don't understand that whole mindset where people are like, oh, LeBron's not hungry anymore. He's already won titles. I don't agree with that mindset. I think LeBron, and if anything, coach, I'm really hoping that LeBron takes all this criticism David Griffin saying all the things that he said, oh, LeBron doesn't want anymore. I hope that LeBron's using this as fuel right now. I know a lot of people um, are critics of LeBron. And so I really hope he's using all of this as fuel for this upcoming season. What do you think about it, Coach? Well, you know, with all due respect, and I love you, man, but I I disagree with the Griffin part. And and that's the part that has me the most upset is – uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cry tears because he said he wasn't the coach. He was a general manager, first of all, which the, the pressure's more on the coach. It was on Tyrone Lou more than it was on him, okay? He says in this article that he fell on the floor crying because of the pressure and didn't want to be there and hated it. You know what? <laughs> cry me a river. To have the opportunity to be a general manager and bank millions of dollars to try to win a championship? I mean, come on, man. I mean, what what is why are you in the gig? If you can't take it, get the hell out of the position. I mean, I think he was just so way out of line. And I, I attribute all of this blow up to the fact that everybody has been, including myself, I'll admit it, it act, acting like he is just a god of basketball the last couple of months, that everything he did turned to gold and everything else. And you know what? I said it out in my tweets, and you'll see it on my stuff today. And I, I said it right straight to him, and I, yeah, sure, I'm sure he's not going to see my text. But I said, listen, pride comes before the fall, man. And as soon as you let this stuff get to your head and you start criticizing other people, that's when stuff will crash down around you. He should have shut his mouth. That was year, a couple of years ago and just been happy about the situation in New Orleans. So I'm going to bury it at that. But I can tell you that as far as Griffin being high on my list, he is now low on my list. And I'm going to have to see, be proven that he's going to, to sort of back this up a little bit and, and you know, hopefully say things were taken out of context or something to uh, – to back back down from what he said. So enough with him. I think I'm, I'm very disappointed. As far as the, Le- the LeBron thing, whenever you're the best, you're number one, everybody is going to take shots at you. That's normal. And I know LeBron expects that and everything else. But this is the, po- the last point I want to make on this subject. And I don't think that people talk about it enough. Mike, I grew up in the era of Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan was even bigger than LeBron is now. Okay? He was basketball. 
eat the shoes, the championships. I mean, he was synonymous with basketball. He's bigger than Bird, bigger than Magic, bigger than everybody. Now, I, I'm a Michael Jordan fan. I don't criticize. I don't judge anybody. Certainly, you know, looking in the mirror, I wouldn't even begin to judge anybody else. But I can tell you this, in all those years, Jordan, and since then, what philanthropic things have, has Michael Jordan really done? He hasn't been a huge charity guy. He's never had any schools. He's never spoken out on issues. He's always just been the best. That's fine. But there's more to it than that. And what I admire most about LeBron is he has used that forum to not only sell the game of basketball because he's gone to all of those Olympics, which, you know, he's stood up for his country and won. He's, he's done this school, which is unbelievable. He brought a resurgence to an entire section of the country in, in Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, that whole area by coming back and bringing a championship to that area. Area, do you know the economic value of that for those people? I mean, he has stepped out and far and above trying to make a difference in the world. And I think for that, he deserves credit and he doesn't get enough of it. Um, if, if you look at what, uh, really take a deep dive on this whole school that he's done and some of the charity he's, he's given to, and it's phenomenal. And on top of that, I just, I think, what he brings to the game, his knowledge of the game, his his insight, the way he uh, just reveres and respects the game. He goes to the NBA Hall of Fame ceremonies. He shows reverence to the guys. I mean, he he to me is the greatest player of all times. And I respect our listeners. They're going to fight back with Jordan. But I think I gave right now sort of the reasons why I feel in the entire complexity of the issue, he has done more for the game than anybody that's ever lived. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. And I think we got to close it off there, coach. Well said. And, you know, I agree with you there, man. Uh, I'm, I'm not even a big LeBron guy and my hat's off to him. I, I also agree. One of the greatest of all time. It's, it's him or Michael Jordan. You can make the argument either way. I can understand both sides. But um, and also, as you said, um, not even as a basketball player, but as a person, uh, one of the greatest ambassadors of the sport we've ever had on and off the court. So hats off to LeBron James. And coach, I'm looking forward to this year. And speaking of, I think this is a good segue into our top five duos in the NBA. And uh, coach, I know uh, where you're going to start. And um, you know, well, let's there was go with five and build our way up, man. You, oh, okay, okay. So then, um, so then we can have our big, big two, two da, whatever you want to call it at the end. <laughs> Coach, I will let you. And you know, I have to say, when I was putting this together earlier today, five was the toughest spot for me. Every other spot felt clear to me except spot five. Because let me tell you why. Every duo that I was looking at at spot five had a really strong player, and then a second player in the duo who was kind of four or five pegs down or who was kind of dragging where the top of the duos had two guys who were like superstars, right? So, Coach, I want to hear your number five first. Who do you got? 
Well, first of all, I know it's going to be controversial, and I agree with you. What what I did was I threw out the guys where they had one awesome player, and then you weren't exactly sure who the second guy was. So I really took it to the value of if you had just two specific individuals. So I'll, my fifth duo, and this only is because of injury, uh, is Steph and Clay. And the reason I have them fifth is because Clay is going to miss half the season because of injury, or they would be higher up my list for sure. But I still, the Splash Brothers, best shooting duo in the history of the game, have got to make my top duos list. So I've got them, even with an injured Clay that's going to miss half the years and years as my fifth. How about you, my man? So this is going to sound like a surprise i have steph curry but instead of clay i put draymond green as the duo with him and let me tell you why coach as you said clay's gonna miss the majority uh, yeah the majority of the season so i think with no more kevin durant clay thompson gonna be on the shelf I think Draymond Green is really going to step up this year. I think he's going to improve his value a whole round from where he finished last year. Uh, Boogie Cousins gone as well. So they got a little hole in that front court. I think Draymond Green and both Steph Steph Curry are both going to step up. In fact, I think we might see a career year from Steph Curry this year. I think people are really underrating him from a fantasy standpoint. You know, um, James Harden always getting the love. Um, I've seen a lot of other guys getting hyped and Steph Curry just kind of getting uh, forgotten. And I really think we're going to see Steph Curry play with a chip on his shoulder as well with, you know, everybody, Kevin Durant getting so much attention about how he was the best player on this Warriors team. Now he's gone. Everybody just kind of writing the Warriors off. I think this is going to fuel Steph Curry. So I also got Steph Curry in five, but I got him paired with Draymond Green coach. All right, man. I respect. <laughs> All right. Uh, pairing number four. Go ahead. Who do you got? Okay. I'll start. And this one was tough, coach. This one was really tough, but I'm going Giannis Antetokounmpo with Chris Middleton. Now, Chris Middleton kind of drags down Antetokounmpo here because, you know, Giannis, we consider him an MVP candidate, a first-round fantasy asset. But Middleton, you know, he brings that pairing down a little bit, Coach. Finished as the number 47 player in fantasy. So, um, you know, I can understand if you didn't want to go this way, but the Bucks did finish with the number one record in the whole NBA, even against the Western Conference teams. I think they're going to still be strong. Kept the core intact, minus Malcolm Brogdon. So I think the Bucks are still going to be up there as a team. And I think Giannis is so great that he kind of sucks up some of that middle ground that uh, Chris Middleton brings down. What do you think, Coach, and who do you got for number four? I completely respect that pick, and that was the the, the team that I, I didn't make my cut. And I agree, Giannis is number one, but I just felt like Middleton, Bledsoe, I wasn't sure who was second. They, you know, yeah, their their team is good, but I just didn't feel like there was a strong enough number two with Giannis to make the list. So that's why they didn't, but I respect your pick. This is my controversial pick that's going to take all the heat but I have some reasons to back it up. 
And you're going to think uh, I've gone a little cuckoo here, <laughs> but I'm going to go out on a limb and say my number four best duo duo is Luca and Porzingis. Wow. And, and here's why I want to say that. Wow, that's a hot take, Coach. It's a hot take, but let me tell you something. If you look at KP's stats before he got hurt, he is uh, – absolutely phenomenal player. I mean, his shooting, his size alone, he's right now, by the way, officially, and I, I heard this on, on Dallas News, 7'4". He has actually an inch taller at, at 22, 23 years old. So I just, Luca is, I think, going to be to the Mavericks uh, you know, everybody will always be second fiddle to dirt, but I think he's got the potential to be, you know, a generational kind of guy for for the franchise. And I think people forget Porzingis, how incredible. I mean, the unicorn, man, he was phenomenal. I mean, he not only can knock down every three, he just, he's dominant and runs the floor. And, you know, he's, He's been out of basketball for so long that people forget how fantastic he is. And he, the other reason I state that is really the rest of the team is not that good. So it's going to be all Luka and KP, all you can eat. And I think those two, when you combine their stats at the end of the year, will be up in this top five group. Man, you know, I am the biggest Luka Doncic fan, so I can understand the excitement there. He, I mean, coach, as you said, generational type potential there. And uh, I love Porzingis too, man. I loved what he did in um, New York. The, I mean, coach, I always say that uh, the holy grail of centers, right, are centers that can block shots, shoot threes, give you good shooting percentages, both at the line and at the field, uh, rebound. I mean, it's like the perfect player. And Porzingis falls in this category. So, Coach, I can understand. The reason why I think it's a hot take is just because we haven't seen Porzingis healthy for a while. So, But he's been healthy for a while. That's the, the one point I want to make is people think, is he just coming off this injury? No. He, he was 100%, literally, to play the last two months of last season. I mean, okay. that's on record. I mean, that's... Well, that's I'll not tell you what, if, if Porzingis is back 100%, then you may be on to something here. So um, I, I see where you're coming from, Coach. And also, too, what a great fit, right? You got uh, arguably, you know, the future best front court player matched with the future best backcourt player, right? It's like the perfect complement. So that's one of the other things I love about that pairing too. And, and uh, let me make one last point that, I, that I, hopefully we remember as, as Porzingis has a monster year. He was like a puppy dog following Dirk around for over two, three months. He watched his workouts. He saw his work ethic. He saw his, you know, Dirk does a lot of really weird shot things, you know, in practice on one foot, standing on a ball, doing this, standing this way. And it's all from his coach, uh, you know, from Germany. And and uh, he Porzingis followed and, and did some of that stuff. And I think all of those things and the hunger he has for the game, it's going to be fun to see how those guys do. All right, let's move on. Who do you got as uh, your duo three? Coach, I just looked at my list right now and realized I completely botched 
I actually had a different duo um, at number four. I basically had two duos listed because I wasn't decided on. Uh, I had Steph Curry, Draymond, and Giannis, Chris Middleton as my co number five and i was just gonna make a decision on the fly i went with steph Uh-oh. curry and then i ended up saying Giannis. anyways i i actually meant to talk about joel Embiid and ben simmons as my number four but anyways if we have any oh, time we're... left over all let of, me, all let of me ask it. the judge oh i'm sorry you're disqualified <laughs> from that too. <laughs> that's okay my bad coach who do you got as your uh duo three Okay, I have, uh, everybody's questioning this. They don't believe they're going to play together. They don't think it's going to, the ball dominant, blah, 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 blah. You give me Westbrook and Harden, and I'll I'll run with it, man. So I'm going Westbrook and Harden. I mean, you, you talk about two guys that are unstoppable. I mean, I'll, I'll take Westbrook's motor over anybody in the entire NBA, anybody. You, you. I will argue Westbrook's motor with anybody. And you take Harden, who's unstoppable, you know, offensive guy. They, I believe they'll find a way to, to play together. I don't think – you don't have a, a Chris Paul guy that fights with everybody and is arrogant and this and that. It's not the same scenario. I don't think anybody wants to win more than, than Westbrook, and I think he'll be a good uh, effect on Harden again. They got along in Oklahoma City well. And remember, they're the ones that behind the scenes pushed for this deal. They wanted to play together. So I think they're going to burn it up. I can't wait to see those two guys play together. Ah, I got the same duo as my number three coach. And I, you and I are on the same page here. I think this is going to work great. And uh, let me add a couple reasons why. Um, coach, Paul George actually played better last season when Russell Westbrook was on the court next to him. And, you know, Paul George had a career year. Uh, I believe he finished third in MVP voting, finished second in fantasy in nine cat leagues. So, um, you know, as you said, both Harden and Westbrook, they want this coach. They both got a taste of how it's like out there, right? Harden not being able to get past the Warriors, Failing here with Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, uh, Kevin Durant left him. Paul George just left him. He couldn't get past the Trailblazers. You know, in that Blazers uh, playoff series, Westbrook's flaws really got magnified in that series. His 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 lack of an outside shot. His so. I think both guys got a taste of failure. I think they really want this to work, coach, and which is going to motivate them. The other thing I want to mention, both guys cannot uh, guard these guys one-on-one, right? So if Harden doesn't have the ball, that means Westbrook has the ball. That means he's going to penetrate Harden, one of the best three-point shooters in the game. He's going to kick it out to Harden or the opposite, right? Harden's going to... Uh, draw a double team, throw a lob up to Westbrook. I mean, we are going to – both guys great passers too, Coach. Uh, let's not forget, Westbrook has averaged over 10, 10 assists per game, I believe, the last few seasons. Harden also up at the top of the league in assists. So these are guys that don't mind sharing the ball. Coach, I think this pairing is going to work great. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it caught me by surprise. I was a little thrown back when it first happened. But every day that goes by, I'm into it more and more. We're on the same page here, Coach. You know what's amazing is there's so many Westbrook haters out there. 
And, you know, I, I grew up, I, I believe it or not, too young to remember Oscar Robertson playing. So I'm actually young enough for one guy that I can't remember at all. But he averaged a triple-double back in the 50s. Everybody said there's no possible way that's ever going to happen again. Do you realize that Russell Westbrook has averaged a triple-double for three years in a row? Now, you tell me that that is the most understated accomplishment, I think, in years in the NBA. That I, I understand people say he gets the cheap rebounds. You don't average a triple-double for three seasons in a row without being one of the best players that you could ever see. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think it's going to be a blast. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite players, uh, I just love his intensity. I love... Um, I love how he just every play he goes to the rim with reckless abandon, like it's his last play of his life or something like that. Coach, I just love that intensity. I, love it. I, I it, it's amazing. I, I, I think can, it's going to be a good you know, thing for Harden, don't you? I mean, I think it's going to raise Harden up even more. I think so too. Uh, you know, supposedly off the court, they are friends. They uh they, they established a friendship the past couple seasons that has turned into a real friendship. So um they want this, man. They want to be together. They want to play together. Also, man, they played together before. And so, um, you know, uh, it's just going to work. I think it's going to well, work. Yeah. Uh, here's the other point, too, is Houston was ready to give up every player, like, on the entire roster – to make the trades to get Jimmy Butler and all this baloney, you know they got they got to keep everybody. I mean, Capella's still there, PJ Tucker's still there. I mean, all their key pieces are still there. They're you know, I put them right there in the hunt in the West. I think they're yeah. going to be nasty. I mean, and, go ahead. It, it was from a Houston Rockets. Uh, franchise standpoint, it was a no-brainer move, right, Coach? I mean, CP3, CP3 wasn't working. You had to try to do something to improve the team. I think, without a doubt, the team got better. So, I mean, and also, too, Coach, they they didn't have any salary cap to try to sign a free agent. They didn't have any draft picks. I mean, it was really one of the few moves they could make to get better. Uh, they were shopping Clint Capella Earlier in the offseason, I guess nothing materialized from that, which was a little surprising because you think he would have some value. He's a solid big man right now in his prime. But um, anyways, coach, great. You know, we talked about the Mavs and one of the things that came to mind is, oh, I can't wait for the season to start because I, I want to see the Mavs. Just now that same feeling came into my head. I want to see the Rockets. I want to see there's coach. I have never been so excited for a season to start because of all all these questions we have. I can't wait to see them answered, see how all these storylines play out. And the Rockets are one of the big ones, man. Okay, Coach, um, you started number three. I'm going to go ahead and roll into number two. No surprise. I think you're probably going to have the same pairing here. I got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George as my number two uh, pairing. And, um, you know, Coach, I think they're two top 10 overall guys, two guys who are do-it-all guys, right? They play both sides of the ball. Coach, it would not surprise me if both guys are on the first team all-defensive list. Here they are on the same team. Uh, one of the things I like is um, they can do everything, man. They can pass. They can rebound. They play defense. They can score. They can shoot. Two guys that do it all. Now, the one concern that I do have is 
Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard, we know, um, has missed some time in seasons past. We saw him really um, get rested quite a bit, right? Uh, so I'm wondering, is he going to miss quite a few more games just due to maintenance? Paul George not gonna will miss likely at least the first couple of weeks, if not the first month of the season. And coach, one of the things that I don't like is that some of these other pairings, they're already working, right? They're already practicing. They're already creating chemistry. That's probably not happening right now on the court with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So, you know, they're going to have to start already as the season's going they're gonna have to try to get that on-court chemistry going already once the season started so they're kind of got a late start compared to some of these other duos but i still got them up at the top coach i think they're one of the best duos in the nba what do you think my number two pairing is adrian benjamins and coach yes (laughs) just right there almost number one I'm with you, man. I, a couple of things. Uh, obviously, yeah, Kawhi and George are my second pairing as well. And, you know, you made some great points there. I think that, you know, Kawhi's certainly going to probably follow the same pattern he did last year with the load management because it worked so well. And Paul George is going to probably miss the first, I would say, month of the season until he's healthy. And, you know, so that's a challenge. However, I think what trumps that and the reason why I still have them in my number two spot is you got Doc Rivers as their coach. And they still have a heck of a a nucleus intact uh, of some good veteran guys with, you know, with Harrell and Beverly and and the whole Lou Williams and everybody there. So uh, they know how to win. They know how to to do it. I think he'll he'll mesh them. Uh, and and if they both stay healthy, you know, will be great. I mean, they're they're absolutely ranked, in my opinion, number one and two uh, best two way players in the league. And to have both of those guys on the same team is just mind boggling. So it's going to be something to see. And I think once they're all healthy and it gets down to crunch time, I I don't know how teams are going to score off of that group. They're defensively. Can you imagine at the end of the game if you've got Beverly George, Kawhi, and uh, Montrez Harrell, and then uh, there's several other guys that could fill that fifth spot that are defensive experts. I mean, it's going to be shut down city. So I'm with you. I think they're going to be a lot of fun uh, to see, and they got the right coach to do it. You know, when you add Patrick Beverly into that mix, I mean – as far as the wing position in the backcourt, I don't know how anyone is going to score against those three guys, Coach. It is going to be ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I did want to mention we had talked about Kawhi Leonard's load management. He did say in the Clippers press conference that uh, this season he's coming into the season fully healthy and that he expects to play a full slate of games. Now, Coach, I'm I'm not buying it, man. I think we're going to see him. And, you know... uh. Let's be intelligent. Let's be smart here. The Clippers would be crazy to not rest him and to not, um, you know, manage him properly as far as uh, health goes. The postseason is what matters. And so, um, you know, I think we're going to see Kawhi miss somewhere between 10 and 15 games easily, just load management, even though he says he would like to play full 82 games. But, anyways, coach. I agree. 
Let's move into your number one team. I, I I know we have the same number one team, but let's let's move it into the number one team. Who do you got, Coach? Well, considering you gave me noise about it last week when we sort of started talking about this, uh, I just uh, I think it's far and away. I don't think it's even close. And I know not only have I seen tons of lists out there because this is the big one of the big subjects everybody's talking about in the off season are the duos because of the way uh, you know everything worked out with the player movement in the off season. But I don't think it's close, man. I think the fact that LeBron and AD are on the same team, um, I, I just I, I think it's one of the best duos of all times. I'll go on record before they play a game. I think it's a Shaq Kobe. I think it's you know uh, all right up there with the best combos that have ever taken the floor. I mean, AD is the dominant, prototypical big man. He's a great defender. He blocks shots. He rebounds, hit the three, uh, just great post game. I mean, you can't, he's the best center in the league. And LeBron, again, you know, uh, we don't even need to go there. Uh, Possibly the greatest player in the history of the game. So the fact that those two get to team up, uh, as you say, you know, there's, the Clippers in Vegas are the favorite to win it. You know, people have been talking a little bit of noise about LeBron. You got Steve Kerr spouting off about AD, and that was a bad move. And so there's all this garbage being thrown at the Lakers. And knowing LeBron and AD, they will take that and use that as fire. And I think you're going to see some some special stuff from those two guys. I think this will be – a spectacular year if they stay healthy. Uh, and, of course, that's always a question with AD especially. Uh, I think you may see, you know, a Kobe-esque Shaq type of uh, season. Coach, I got them at number one as well. And, you know, where I think the difference between you and I came is just how far apart they were from one and two. But first off, I want to touch on them real quick. Agree with you 100%. And Anthony Davis, man, he's the best. I think um, all things aside, he's the best player in the NBA. With just strictly off talent, strictly on his skill set, I think he's the greatest player right now in the NBA. Because um, I, I talked about I, I, I talked about the holy grail of big men. He is that coach. Can block, as you said, can block shots, can shoot outside, can uh, can do everything. He can pass, plays defense, does it all. And pairing him up with someone like LeBron James, another guy that has such a well-rounded game, it's such a good pairing. You know, earlier in the show, I talked about what a great fit uh, Luka is with Porzingis. And I think it's almost the same thing here with LeBron James and Anthony Davis because you got the best big men. And I consider, even though LeBron James is a big player, I consider him like a ball handler type. In fact, there's a lot of uh, being made this offseason that he could play point guard. So, um, Coach, agree with you. But now here's the thing, Coach. If we were drafting a dynasty league... I'm not sure you would take this duo over Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. LeBron James will be 35 this year. I may this may be a hot take. I may be on an island when I say this. So um I may get some backlash here. I think we will see a drop off from LeBron James. Maybe not this year. Okay. Maybe not this year. But next year he's gonna be 36. 
Look, coach, there's nobody from his draft class that is still relevant. All the guys that came in are gone that got drafted with him. D Wade, gone. Carmelo Anthony is gone. Chris Bosch is gone. Um, now LeBron's a special cat, right? We've we he's a physical specimen like we've never seen, and this is why he's still going at his age. But eventually, coach, they do say Father Time is undefeated. He comes for all of us, coach, and eventually he's gonna come for LeBron. So, it, it and in certain settings, I could see how you could pick Kawhi Leonard over Paul George. But strictly talking for this season. They will be the best duo as long as both guys stay healthy. Um, both guys, I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, no doubt in my mind they're going to finish as the best duo. Coach, I got one more point, and then I want to hear your rebuttal. I'm going to I'm gonna tell you something. I took both guys' rankings this past season and then took their average. So Anthony Davis finished as player number 11 LeBron James finished as player number 65 with an average ranking of 38. Now, this is a little unordinary because Anthony Davis sat a lot of the year due to all that trade, whatever fiasco was going on. LeBron James also got shut down due to injury and due to the Lakers wanting to tank. So I'm expecting this ranking to be much higher. But then, coach, let me go to the other side. Paul George finished as the number two player and Kawhi Leonard finished as the number 18 player for an average ranking of 10 compared to 38 from now coach. I would want to do a little wager with you. If, if, if Paul George was going to start the season healthy, I would make a bet with you that their average ranking for the season could be higher than LeBron James and Anthony Davis, or at least right on par. What do you think about that? Excuse me while I go to the ATM and <laughs> take out my entire life savings and uh, look for that uh, wager. So we need to come up with a serious – I'll let you think about it Coach. till next week on what you want to put on the table. Coach, so, let me, okay. Let me rebut this, Mr. Okay. Statistics. Because first of all, just, if you just heard the toilet flush, that was those statistics – they just went down the swirly, down the toilet. Let me, let me uh, rebut very strongly here. I get your point, but this is one of those analytics, ridiculous, completely <laughs> oblivious, non-practical statistics. First of all, you've got Paul George, who was the go-to guy in every aspect of everything. Westbrook couldn't drop the ball in the ocean. And George was the man, and he played a good, fantastic season. So that's that's awesome. Kawhi, again, the only go-to guy in Toronto. His efficiency rankings were off the board because he sat for twenty games or whatever. And his, you know, probably the best stats he'll put up in his career. Uh, I'll go on record saying that. So that being said, you got two, you got two outliers right there. Then you got the exact inverse. That whole AD, the fact that AD finished 11th is like the <laughs> unbelievable. You got a guy that had injuries. You got the worst horrible situation in New Orleans you could ever imagine. The deals fell through. He didn't play. The crowd's booing him. He's in, he's out. You know, the fact, how could he finish 11th? It's, it's amazing. 
So he that's about one-tenth of what he can do. LeBron's situation last year, the fact that he stayed the company line, he never said anything about Walton as far as wanting, you know, publicly to get him out of there. He never said that the what they did in LA last year as far as the jokers they put around him, the fact that the best that they could bring him were guys like Lance Stevenson and I mean I could go on and on. That roster of misfits junk that they put around him, they had zero chance. And LeBron had phenomenal stats. I know his ranking wasn't as high because of his efficiency and stuff, and he didn't play hard on D, and I get all that. But, you know, you got a 35-year-old body that still put up 28 points a game and still saw the floor, stayed up beat with the young guys under a completely hopeless situation. So I think what he put forward was about 50% of what he can do. And I don't blame him for that. I don't think that's a motor thing. Do you want to win? I think that's a reality thing. It was him playing with you and I and Dan Bespris and uh, and uh, Lance Stevenson. That was about the five guys he had on the floor. So <laughs> that is, you could throw that and flush it right now as, as, as well. So well, I think when you have this reset – with the good players they built around them, they still have coups there and everything else. And and I'll tell you what, I'll take that bet. Whatever you want to do times two, and we're after it, man. Well, Coach, we do. I do agree with you. And I say that, that with all James. respect, man. I didn't mean oh, to be. No, uh, no. Hey, I, I love it, man. Let's have fun. I love it, Coach. And I do agree with you. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the number one duo. And if Paul George was healthy, if right now I knew that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were on the court practicing, I would take that wager with you, Coach, for sure. Um, but, um, Coach, I do – I got an idea for you, with you, for our shows that I think you're going to like a lot because I know you're a betting man. I know you like to wager. So one of my favorite – I'm not fan- a betting man. That's not true. I, I don't bet on games at all. I, well, I play – fantasy and and i play the leagues but i'm not a betting guy i got an idea for our shows that i think you're gonna love so let me run this by you but i think you're gonna love this man one of my one of my favorite fantasy podcasts it's a football podcast they do something called board bets so throughout the season when there's any disagreement they do a board bet meaning let's say you think you're really high on a guy i'm not high on a guy we could say, hey, I'll bet you he finishes top 50. and you'll, Or I'll bet you he doesn't finish top 50. You say he doesn't. We put the bet on a board. These bets, we get a lit, whole list of bets. At the end of the season, we do a whole show about each board bet. We'll go through them one by one, say who wins. At the end of all of the board bets, the one with the most right is the winner. Coach, we are both going to be in Las Vegas for Summer League. I say the loser takes the winner out for a dinner, a nice dinner out on the town at Las Vegas Summer League. What do you think about that, Coach? I've got, all right, two things, <laughs> man. I 100% accept that bet. The, the, the winner gets to choose the restaurant for a nice dinner when we're at Summer League. But here's the kicker. When we do that show, that, and we'll we'll we're we're gonna we'll do it live, so we'll put it on the air so everybody can see us. Like when we do the box score breakdown, the loser 
when we go over those board bets, so it'll be just that one thing per year, has to wear a chicken suit. <laughs> okay. During the okay. Whole podcast live on air. How's that? I like that idea. I like that idea. Although it does take a little of the suspense out because people will know right from the start of the show who's the loser. But I do like the idea of the loser having to wear something very embarrassing. Coach, it is on all season long. We will be making board bets anytime we come to a disagreement. So, for example, in this case, I would say Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to finish with a higher average ranking than LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We would put it on the board, do a board bet. All right. So going forward, coach, I'm, I'm on the side of my computer. I got a sheet of paper. I'm going to write all of these board bets down the date, everything down at the end of the year. We'll do a show. We'll go over each board bet starting now, coach, anytime you want to do a board bet, just let me know, and we will put it on the board. I, I think what you might want to do is get on Amazon Amazon Prime and order that chicken suit now. <laughs> you it have is, it ready. It is on, <laughs> Coach. Okay, um, that will end our top five duos of the NBA. Coach, I honorable mention, I'm not going to take a lot of time here because we're already uh, running a little late. Honorable mention, though, I had Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. And then, of course, I forgot I actually had Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons on my list. So I think those are some great duos of the NBA. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Kemba and Jason Tatum this year. I think Jason Tatum's gonna, you know, we saw him kind of fall off a little bit last year in his sophomore season, but a lot of dysfunction with the Celtics last year. I think this year we're going to see him step up and make that leap um, in his third year. And so I, I think at the end of the year, looking back, we maybe forgot to list Kemba and Tatum as a possible top five duo um, in this league. Coach, any honorable mentions for you that maybe um, yeah. didn't make it on your list? Well, I, I think you made some great points there, and I agree with you. My, my biggest omission, even more so than honorable mention, and, and I just couldn't figure out how to do it, but I definitely Embiid you know, with Simmons or Embiid with Harris, I think either one of those could make it because I think all three guys are awesome. So, yeah, I, I totally think those Philly, you know, I'm a Philly guy as far as uh, picking. Uh, I think they're going to do really well. So I, I'm with you. That's that's my one omission for sure. You know, I did list Harris, but you might go Tobias Harris actually over Ben Simmons because coach if we did that whole average between the two of them, Joel Embiid finished his player 17 and Tobias Harris finished three spots behind him at 20. So that's a pretty high average right there between those two guys. So um, good. Really, I'm really glad you mentioned that. You know, I would think in Ben Simmons, I, I may have the wrong guy in that pair. I, mean, I love Ben Simmons. He's, he's a great kid, great guy to watch, but... Until the guy can even make a mid-range jumper, let alone a three, it's hard to put him in that echelon, you know, because he you know, just doesn't shoot the ball. And speaking of you guys, don't fall for these uh, videos, these Instagram videos and everything of Ben Simmons making these jump shots in the gym. Coach, I saw those same videos last year and he could not shoot it during the regular season. So I'm not falling for that again. Not falling for it until, until he proves it to me 
on the court during the regular season. I'm not going to believe it. I got to see it to believe it. Okay, coach, we are going to wrap this show up finally with a listener question. And we got a great listener question. Uh, We actually got this a couple weeks ago, but um, Heed on Twitter. Okay. Shout out, man. He's awesome in the forums. He had a question regarding he's got multiple draft picks in a rookie draft in a deep dynasty league. And coach, I got excited for him, man, because anytime you've got a large amount of high draft picks in a dynasty league, you got an opportunity to add some serious talent and depth to your squad. So coach, I'm going to go over his question. I want to get your thoughts on who you would like for his picks. He's got pick four, pick six, pick seven, and 14 in a rookie draft for his dynasty league. Coach, what would you do there? Um, I would be super excited if I was him. I had pick four in Hoopball Dynasty League two, and I was ecstatic to pick Darius Garland. Who do you like, Coach? Wow. I mean... You know, first of all, I, I shout out to him because generally when you've accumulated that many picks in a dynasty league that early, that means you've thrown in the towel and sucked it up and and uh, had a terrible year and just, you know, positioned yourself for the next year and sacrificed, you know, a full season of having to watch uh, guys that, that aren't that good. So good for him, man. Um, at number four, I think, you know, there's a couple of things, I, and, and this is a good point to make versus the uh, – not versus, but on, on the behalf of Dynasty Leagues. A lot of it has to do with uh, who he has on his roster. I mean, I think that's that's really what you have to look at first. I mean, uh, if, if he needs guard help for sure, I think, you know, Darius Garland is, is a great pick. He's going to – from everything that I've seen and heard and uh, – you know, again, from Beeline's words at Summer League, talking about the backcourt of Garland and Sexton, I think Garland's a great pick. Uh, I think that, you know, in in Dynasty Leagues, when you have those pl- uh, players, you know, everybody's always tempted to just strictly go with the best player available uh, from what they see. But, you know, don't be afraid to look at your roster makeup and see, you know, where you need some guys that uh, – you know, that that may feel needs that you have. If you have a massive hole at center where you, you know, you're not uh, getting anybody competitive, then, then you make a little bit different change. But I'll go with you on the Garland pick at number four. You know, I want to add real quick at number four, obviously if the top three guys fall, Zion, Jaw, or RJ, you, you'd have to grab them at four. But let's let's be honest Zion's not going to fall to four, no possible way. I can't see Jaw falling there as well. The only one guy, Coach, who could possibly make the fall is uh, R.J. Barrett, who had a rocky summer league and, um, you know, some uh, some question marks. If you weren't a big R.J. Barrett fan, I could see you passing on him at number three. So let's say you ended up – let's say the the – team at three ended up going Garland. Now you could go RJ Barrett at number four. So I just want to mention that. And then real quickly, the other guys that I was considering myself coach at number four were Jarrett Culver and DeAndre Hunter. Now for me, Garland was one step above that. I think from what I've heard, Garland, um, 
he's a potential all-star franchise building block type player where I'm not quite sure it's possible that Culver could be one of those guys. I'm not sure Hunter is one of those guys. So for me, it was an easy decision to go uh, Garland over those guys. But I would suggest if you guys got your Dynasty League uh, draft coming, you got pick four, I would do your homework. Check out the scouting bids on all of these guys. And one last suggestion, don't look at the highlight reels of these guys. Because, Coach, that only shows you the good stuff. What's really nice when you look at the scouting bids, not only does it show you their strengths, it shows you their weaknesses as well. And I want to see that, Coach. I want to see what do these players need to work on and is it – Like, from what I know of these players, can they get over those weaknesses? Some guys, you know, who have troubled off-court stuff, guys like Kevin Porter, you know, those guys might be more difficult to get over weaknesses. So anyways, guys, just some suggestions at four. But real quick, um, what would you do, Coach, with the other two picks coming up, which were, I think, six and, and seven? What would you be thinking of doing there, Coach? Well, a uh, couple of things. You know, again, it's it's your approach that you want to take of win now, build for the future, what positions you need. But, you know, the one guy I want to bring up that blew me away at Summer League, and I just love him, and I think he can win the job this year. I know you think he's probably going to be a backup, and you're probably right, but I I love Kobe White for the Bulls. I think that he's a point guard of the future. He can He can score it. He's a tremendous vision of the court. Uh, he was a leader of that Bulls team in summer league, even with players that were two, three-year veterans. So I, I love his upside. I love his future. Uh, I know, you know, the knock on him was he's not a great outside shooter, but he was he was sufficient from what I saw. And I, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to com- uh, consistently improve and, and be a winner. So that would be the one that I would – that I'm very high on. The other guy, uh, and I've been talking about him a lot, is is Hashimura from the Wizards. I think uh, the kid from Gonzaga is ready. I think he'll start and get strong minutes from the Wizards this year. And I think he's got the potential of being a very Otto Porter kind of guy that can that can shoot the ball decently, great motor, strong, uh, great body. Uh, you know, just ready to jump out there and play. And then I'm going to throw my third guy in now because all these three guys I have bunched together. And then I'll throw it back to you. So this will cover my three guys. Obviously, you know, I, I think Jackson Hayes' motor is ludicrous. I think that he has the potential of, you know, they're saying he's going to come off the bench for either Favors or Okafor or whatever initially. But the athleticism, and, you know, I've talked about it on multiple shows since the summer league, jumping over the guy, and just the motor and and uh, ability he has for, like, a 20-year-old kid that, you know, didn't even really play a ton for Texas, I think uh, I would l- love to have in my dynasty leagues. I'm in two, and I didn't have a chance to pick them, but, man, I love the motor on that guy. So there's three guys for you, man. Yeah, okay, so I think it's six and seven. Um, Some of the guys I talked about earlier, um, which were uh, Hunter, Culver, if there's any way that they slip 
uh, to six or seven. I think you got to take them there. And you know what? I want to say really quickly, I'm actually looking at the draft results right now. And, De- and DeAndre Hunter and Jared Culver went six and seven side by side in the Hoopball Dynasty League to rookie draft. So that is actually not out of the question for the two guys that I was looking at as a possibility at number four to fall to you at six and seven. So I love that. And then coach, one guy that I would, I love this guy so much coach that he got drafted 21 in the real draft, but I would take a look at him at number seven. And that's Brandon Clark. Just absolutely destroyed summer league um i think he's got an an opportunity to get some real run in memphis this year already in his first year uh i love this guy coach so um i would look at him at seven as well uh if you need coach you had a good thought uh, or a good take this is all dependent also on your team needs and if one of your team needs is a center I think Jackson Hayes is your guy. Uh, we both love him, Coach. I think he kind of reminds me of like a Tyson Chandler 2.0 type. Uh, so you can also consider him at that six and seven spot. Coach, I love, I like Kobe White. You know, I think he does have some stuff to work on, but as any young point guard does, right, Coach? So I do like Kobe White, especially if Jaw and Darius Garland, the two point guards ranked ahead of him, are off the board. I think. White is probably the next best point guard on the board. So if you need a PG, you could consider him there. Lastly, uh, my last thought with the pick, the last pick, which I think was his pick. 14. Uh, 14. Okay. So I got four, a perfect 14 for oh, him, man. Why don't you go first? Why don't and you I go bet that we have the same guy. I bet we do, man. Is he a point guard? Or is All he a guard? Is he's a hero. <laughs> Okay, we actually have different guys. Go ahead. I like Tyler Hero. I I mean, Miami's love of that guy, they took him off the board in any trades they'd make. He was unbelievable shooter in summer league. He has so much savvy and, and smoothness out there. You know, right now, Dion Waiters is their targeted number two start starter. Don't be surprised if Tyler Hero doesn't get big minutes at the two. This guy is a future three-point shoot shooting champion and I think would be a sweet little pick at 14. I like Tyler Hero too, but the guy that I would go strictly ahead of him, Coach, or uh, slightly ahead of him, I meant to say this, might be a surprise to you. I like Nikel Alexander-Walker. I love this guy, Coach. I think he showed he belongs in the NBA uh, Another guy that destroyed Summer League. Now, the only thing that does scare me about, I like to call him Nah, Nikel Alexander-Walker. The only thing that's, that's scaring me off of him, Coach, is that his team is loaded with guards. So, um, you know, Drew Holiday, who I'm expecting to have a career year. Lonzo Ball, who could get a lot of run. J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Frank Jackson. I just don't know how much uh, run that that Alexander Walker is going to get. And so because of this, it's really going to push his development back a little bit. So if you're going to draft this guy, you got to be prepared to wait on him a few seasons. So if your timeline is to win now, Tyler Hero is probably more your pick if your timeline is to win now. 
you don't mind waiting a few years like I don't mind in my um, in my dynasty league, especially in the hoop ball league. Nikel Alexander Walker's uh, my guy. All right, coach. Any closing thoughts on this uh, uh, question? I think that's a great call, man. I'm uh, he is going to be a terrific player. I want to promo one thing for next week because I'm really excited about it and just wanted to throw that out there for our listeners because I think you'll get a, a lot out of next next uh, week. We're going to really dedicate the entire show to what we see as sleepers this coming year and possible busts. And, and we're going to say that as in relevant to where they're going to be drafted. So, you know, it's not just the guys at the bottom of the rung that – I mean, we're talking about when I say a bust, we're saying maybe somebody that's going to be drafted at 15. We think that may end at like 50. So, you know, we're going to have a scaling look at of all of the sleepers and all of the busts for this upcoming season, which we should give you a good look, uh, you know, for any dynasty leagues or anything you're drafting early. And it also helps you start getting an idea of, you know, how these teams are going to formulate minutes and usage and everything else. So I think that's going to be awesome. Uh, I know we're running a little long, so you can find me at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I, also known as Coach. I'm also at the all over the Hoopball forums. Please join us on there. And uh, we look forward to helping you build champions. This is the, the time when they're built. So let's go. Coach, I bet it would not surprise you if I told you we are over an hour long on this show. <laughs> so let's wrap a bow on it. Coach, uh, thanks for the Twitter handle. You can hit me up at Adrian Benjamins. We finally got to a Twitter question. So keep them coming, guys. We love hearing from you guys. You know, I'll be honest, Coach. I don't really get a lot of feedback. I don't really um, like to uh hear about i mean i i don't go out searching about like how our shows are doing so i always actually get really excited anytime somebody tells me that they enjoyed the show because um i just love the feedback and i don't really get a chance to hear a lot of it so you guys if you got if you want to hit us up on twitter please do we love hearing from you send us your questions and uh thank you guys so much uh, more great stuff coming next week we will talk to you guys later This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.